Hello and welcome to a new series of short WRI podcasts looking at why COP26 matters for different issues. I'm Nicholas Walton. And in this episode, we're looking at COP and energy. Are we seeing uh, signals that indicate that the demand for clean energy will be there in the private sector? You're listening to WRI's COP26 Shorts podcasts. Here's the Global Director of WRI's Energy Programme, Jennifer Lakey. The energy system and the climate systems are inextricably linked. We have today uh, energy contributing over a third of global emissions worldwide, and we know that our basic requirements for our economies are all predicated on having opportunities for economic access. And that means two things in terms of where we are in thinking about the climate agenda and the energy system. First, that our current consumption of coal and gas and fossil energy must shift dramatically. And that if we are to achieve our climate goals, that requires an entire system level change in our thinking. So governments nationally and internationally have to begin to redesign their economies to bring in clean technology and to phase down very quickly use of fossil energy. And will you be looking for specific things to be promised by those taking part at COP26 to see if this is actually happening? Yes, I'll be looking for three things as we go into the COP. The first is whether and how governments have integrated in systems thinking around their energy systems into their nationally determined contributions, the pledges that they're making with regards to their own economies. The second thing I'll be looking for is whether and how we see those pledges adding up and if there is enough secured finance to help make sure that the investments that are required will be able to be delivered against that agenda. And then the third thing that I'll be looking for is whether and how countries and the international community are addressing the questions around distributional opportunities and impacts. So I'm going to be looking to see whether we are helping to bring people out of poverty, delivering clean energy to all people, and if the just transitions framing of how we navigate to clean energy is inclusive of those who may be bearing disproportional impact in that transition. So there's the pledge, which is the government's taking action. The second is the finance and investment. And the third is the justice angles and how we ensure that we're managing the transition to avoid having negative impacts and bring people who've been left out of the energy economy into the clean energy transition. And that's because fundamentally, yes, energy is connected to uh, emissions and other kind of big concrete things being discussed at COP26. But energy is also critical for human well-being, for development, for, for economic progress, and for making the most of opportunities for most people around the world. So it's that kind of dual role that it's not just all about the, you know, the, the really hard emission stuff, but it has this other angle, this other, this other dimension too. Exactly. So when, when I look at across the energy transition, I'm looking at things around how do we ensure the demand signals are coming across? You know, what are the private sector pledges going into COP? Are we in this action agenda, this action period? Are we seeing uh, signals that indicate that the demand for clean energy will be there in the private sector? Are we looking at a diversity of resources? So we have to look today at whether and how we change the entire system to be more climate resilient, 
to be more integrated in terms of the types of renewable energy and other resources, and whether we're seeing this link to the private sector and the development, the economic development agenda. Because even if we have significant targets, we will fail to make the kind of progress at the pace and scale that is required unless our economy, our private economy, is also investing and making this transition happen. Is it a complication that this is actually taking place at a time when newspapers around the world are talking of an energy crisis? There are problems with coal in China. There's problems with with gas across Europe. Does that create a problem for this? We know that with COVID and with the supply chain concerns we faced in the worldwide global economy, it's not surprising that we would be seeing that in the energy economy. We know that there are investments that have been taken that have not yet built the kind of uh, robust infrastructure around those solutions. So energy storage is a critical component of any renewable energy strategy. And yet our renewables have moved much more quickly than our energy storage capabilities have. So how do we build a systems level response and invest simultaneously in the things that we know we're going to need to do? That's a question that is important for regulators and for policymakers to be on top of. But the other thing I really want to emphasize here is that this is short term, that if we are seeing an immediate crisis, it is not time to call into question the entirety of a clean energy transition. These types of disruptions have occurred for decades across the economy, not to minimize them because they are important for us to be paying attention to. They're signals about what and where the vulnerabilities in the system are. And we need to make sure that we're managing for the vulnerabilities in the system. Climate change is a vulnerability in the system. How are we going to manage for fire, for ice, for the kinds of hurricane disruptions that we've seen in the United States? Those are management questions and they're investment questions. So what do we need to do now to get out ahead of the questions that may be ahead of us in five to 10 years? That's a critical part of this transition, not just responding to the immediate signals of, do I have enough fuel stockpiled? But secondly, to be thinking, and more critically, to be thinking about what is the system that's going to remain the most reliant, resilient, and robust. Jennifer Lakey on why COP26 matters from the standpoint of energy. The other seven episodes in this series examine everything from why COP matters for oceans, for cities, and for food and land use, plus a special look forward from our Vice President for Climate and Economics. COP26 is really a pivotal moment for us to show whether globally we can come together and collectively solve the great challenge of climate change and do so in a way where we really renew the spirit of solidarity between countries. There's plenty more on COP on our website, wri.org, and you can, of course, subscribe to our podcasts on all good podcast apps. I'm Nicholas Walton. Goodbye for now.